Welcome to Foundations of Emo, hosted by Claire and Danny. Each episode, we take one of our favourite bands and dive deep into their history and origins, reminiscing on our own emo roots along the way. Episode three. This episode is sponsored by racists. <laughs> I was going to say we're very anti-racist right now, but we're always anti-racist. <laughs> just, just at the moment, just may the moment. change the views. Might change my mind tomorrow. I just want to preface this by something that's completely not related to my chemical romance. That is that I hate all racists and I wish them a very merry die. Especially the ones who are protesting every night on Angel Street. Yeah, I have not been able to get home from work like all week without being met by a protest and the bus has been turned the other way. And I am really angry about it. Not just because of the inconvenience, but because of them and their stupid message. Is it the same when I saw it, there was, I'm going to say, max 20 people? Yeah, like I don't, mean, I don't even think there's 20 people. Not even, no. And they're there with their signs that say Angel Street say no to unvetted men. And it's like, Anto... As if they own the whole of Angel Street. <laughs> it's like, Anto, could you pass guard a vetting? Because I don't think you could, man. <laughs> like, oh. Ukrainian people are fleeing a war. Uh, could you imagine? Like, they had lives and jobs and houses and families. And some of them have, like, lost some of their families and their friends to the war. And they've all lost their livelihoods, like their homes and their jobs and everything. They're not coming here looking for handouts. Yeah, exactly. They're not coming here for the shits and giggles. Yeah, I'm sure, I'm sure they want don't want to be here. <laughs> 100%. And then when they do come here and that thing where they got attacked in Ashtown. Oh, stop. Absolutely awful. Anyway. So any Ukrainians who want to come on the podcast, <laughs> feel free. <laughs> we welcome you. 100%. But you have to like emo. Yes. And there is a march on February 18th in town that's pro I was gonna say pro racism. I was about to say pro racism as well, like woohoo, pro racism. No, that's like Ireland is welcoming Ukrainians, so can we please all go to that? Thank you. That's my Absolutely. little preface. Okay. Nothing to do with so the podcast. This is an emo podcast, not a political podcast, in case you're confused. You know I always have to get a little bit like yeah, feminist to, yeah. or political. Something has to happen. So today's episode is about my chemical romance. Yes. And in case you didn't think I was fun at parties after that rant, guess what? <laughs> my favourite My Chemical Romance fact is how they started. And I like to break that out. If I'm talking to people that I don't know and My Chemical Romance comes up, I'm going to turn around to everybody in the group and be like, do you know why they formed? Because the answer is yes or no. You either know why My Chemical Romance formed or you don't. Uh, so I feel under pressure. I think I know why they formed. 9-11. Yeah. Okay, I did. I was right. 10 points for Gryffindor. <laughs> like, right. You're never, ever going to guess. 9-11 is why My Chemical Romance formed. But I anyway, do. shall we get into the story? Let's dive into it. My Chemical Romance are from Newark in New Jersey. And they're from, <laughs> I have written here, a dodgy area. <laughs> So I took a lot of this information from the My Chemical Romance video journal, I think they call it, but it's Life on the Murder Scene. It's on YouTube if you want to watch it. It's two hours long. It's about their early career and how they started. And it was filmed, I think, around the time that they were recording Three Cheers for Sweet Revenge. So it is like very early and they're very young and they're very cute and I love them. They are my sons. Super cute. <laughs> they are older than me, but they are my sons. They're so old now. Stop. <laughs> But they are. What are we, young? Compared to them, yes. <laughs> but yeah, no, they were talking about the area that they live was really rough. And it was kind of when they were kids, they weren't allowed out to play much because the areas were so dodgy. And there was a river or a lake near them where they lived. And like, they were always fishing dead bodies out of there. It's all that. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so like, they kind of attribute their creativity and all of that to being stuck indoors all the time as kids and kind of having to go to their own fantasy lands. And I suppose that's why My Comic Romance are so theatrical and fantasy oriented. And it's all from that. 
apparently yeah, makes sense and also I love that they could have gone one way you know it would have been very easy for them to go down the road of being a dead body in a lake but they decided not <laughs> they to decided that. not to be a dead body in a lake <laughs> Airplay. Similar to Fall Out Boy, they were all in bands growing up and in various bands in the music scene. They were all interested in music. But at the age of 24, Gerard Way was working as an intern for Cartoon Network in New York City. So he was on the ferry going over to New York and he saw 9-11 happen. It's kind of rumoured that he saw bodies falling out of the towers. Lovely. So he was on that boat and he was watching people's lives fall apart and he was like, what am I doing with my life? The Cartoon Network though, great job. I mean, it sounds cool, but I think those are those kind of jobs where you're just sitting there like tracing other people's works. Like there's no creativity to it. Yeah. There's an actual quote from him where he said in his head, he was thinking, fuck art. I've got to get out of the basement. I've got to see the world. I've got to make a difference. Oh, and so he started My Comical Romance. And he did make a difference. <laughs> so the song Skylines and Turnstiles was the first song that My Comical Romance ever wrote. Well, Gerard wrote it. And it's about 9-11. It's about 9-11. So that's the song that's like... This broken city skyline on my skin. <laughs> that that's my version. <laughs> Slightly different. It's just you know cover. <laughs> In case you thought I just played the CD there. <laughs> so when Gerard was a kid, he originally liked the idea of playing guitar, and his grandmother bought him one. But he was kicked out of several bands because he was really bad at it. <laughs> Oh. Yeah, so that's how he went the singing route. He was a singer in school. There's actually this really cute story in the documentary where he says that they moved house and they moved to a new school. And straight away when he got into that school, he was cast as the lead in Peter Pan. Oh. Which he was like, wow, if you want to get bullied in a new school. <laughs> and apparently that role usually went to a girl, but he got it. Oh no. I know. <laughs> so cute. But um, he was always a singer. And I suppose playing guitar didn't work out for him. And I'd like to say, I don't know this for sure, but I think that that grandmother who bought him the guitar, I think is Helena, who they wrote that song about, because that's about oh. a dead grandmother. So I presume it's the same one. The original line from My Chemical Romance was Mikey Way on bass, who is obviously Gerard's brother, Ray Toro on guitar, and Matt Pellissier on drums. So just a little bit about Ray. He had an older brother who introduced him to bands that inspired him to learn how to play guitar. And he actually, I think this is the cutest thing ever. He took typing lessons in order to improve his manual dexterity so he could play the guitar better. What a genius. I know, I would never think that. I would ne- Where was he when I needed to learn this years ago? <laughs> Well, you know what you need to do? Get a few typing lessons. And then Frankie Eero, his dad taught him how to play drums when he was a kid, but then he went out and swapped it out for guitar. And I just wanted to include that because I'm like, how come all the members of My Chemical Romance can play a load of different instruments? Like, that's mad. You couldn't even play one. <laughs> Speak for yourself. <laughs> Why do you think that I was the vocalist? Because I was too lazy to learn how to play something. <laughs> the triangle. But uh, Frank played in local bands from the age of 11 and he was a member of a punk band called Pensy Prep and they were signed to Eyeball Records. So he got to know My Chemical Romance kind of through Eyeball Records and through the scene. There's a really cute part in, I know I keep coming back to this Life on the Murder scene. I really recommend if you've any passing interest in My Chemical Romance that you watch it because I have made people who don't care about My Chemical Romance watch it and they have enjoyed it. That's that's my plug for Life on the murder scene Five star on review. <laughs> there's a cute part where Frank's telling the story of how he kind of knew them and he went to see them and he actually got them their first 11 shows because he knew someone who worked in the venue mm. so he got Mike Amagramas their first shows before he ever played with them and he said that they were his favourite band and when they asked him to join it was like a no-brainer for him because he loved them so much I've said all like so many times already, but I'm just going to say all again. This is why you should watch the Life on the Murder (laughs) Scene documentary. It's just so sweet. They're all so cute. Pensy Prep, the band that he was in, they released one album before they disbanded. 
and he joined My Chemical Romance and then he ended up only playing two songs on I Brought You My Bullets, You Brought Me Your Love, their first album, because he only joined the band when they were already like recording the album. So he ended up only on two songs. So is the album that's released now only has them on two songs? I did not know that. I know, Which yeah. two songs? If you look it up. <laughs> I didn't write them down, but you can actually find out what songs if you Google it there. I'll Google it. Keep going. Um, and then Mikey Way, obviously, is the younger brother of Gerard. He was the one who came up with the name for My Chemical Romance. So he was working in a Barnes & Noble's bookstore and he was like flicking through books one day and there's the Irvine Welsh book Ecstasy and it was called Ecstasy, The True Tales of Chemical Romance. And he was like, Chemical Romance, My Chemical Romance, that's such a cool name. And he had that name long before they were ever a band. And then when they formed and they were trying to think of names, they were like, Mikey, we need that name. And he was hesitant to give it to them because it was such a good band name. I think it is so Mikey way, because I know him so well, to be working in a bookstore. Yeah. Oh, there we go again, another all. So in May 2002, they recorded I Brought You My Bullets, You Brought Me Your Love, which was produced by the vocalist of the band Thursday, Jeff Rickley. And then it was released in July 2002. So this is regarded as a concept album about two Bonnie and Clyde type characters that are eventually shot dead in the desert. And there's rumours that their story continues on the next album, Three Cheers for Sweet Revenge, with the man ending up in purgatory, making a deal with Satan, his hellbound lover for the souls of a thousand evil men. Three Cheers is a concept album, and obviously the artwork on it and all is about that couple, but it's kind of like the fans have pieced together that Bullets could be kind of the lead up to that, that it's all like the one story, but the band have never confirmed this. This is a fan theory. Yeah, I love Uh, a fan theory. Well, if you like mad fans, you're in the right place. (laughs) We'll get to that later. There is text on the album disc from the very first pressing. So the very first pressing of the album is really, really rare. There was only 100 copies made. So it's like impossible to get your hands on. But the text on it said, unauthorized duplication is a violation of applicable laws and will result in Gerard coming to your house and sucking your blood. (laughs) I need one of those. I know. Like literally, if you buy me that, I will marry you. I don't care who you are. I don't care that I'm already married. It's happening. (laughs) So from this album, they released three singles. Vampires Will Never Hurt You, Honey, This Mirror Isn't Big Enough for the Two of Us and Head First for Halos. I don't think that they have music videos. I meant to look this up and I didn't get a chance. But I've never seen music videos for those songs. I've never seen music videos for them either. Uh, All I I could imagine is if they're live performances kind of thing but I don't think. do some live research. Yeah. (laughs) And then to promote the album they allowed free downloads of it through Pure Volume and MySpace. Through Pure Volume? No I actually didn't. Oh. (laughs) I wrote that and was like what the hell is that? (laughs) And then they gained a lot of fans on MySpace that kind of got them a name going. And then they played a lot of shows and they got noticed by Reprise Records who signed them in 2003. Vampires will never hurt you. Oh they do have a music video. Yeah. A music video. A music video. I love the music. <laughs> and here, fun fact. Everyone was incredibly high from the fumes of the paint of the set during the filming of this video. I've never seen this in my life. Oh, they look like little babes. They are little babies. No, it's a babes. Like babes. Oh, well. You know. Both. Also, I found out the two songs. Frank is on. Do you want to know? I want to know. He is on. Honey, this mirror isn't big enough for the two of us in early sunsets over Monroeville. So tell me about your thoughts on the first album. I really like it. Yeah. Yeah. I really, really like it. I think it is very that genre. You know, when you go back and listen to it and listen to the intros, it's very unpolished. Mm. 
I really, really like it. I love it. Like, I know that I heard Three Cheers first and then I went back and got bullets and I was just loved it, like, equally as much. Yeah, it's definitely the same vein, definitely the same kind of music. I love it. But It's, I it's rawer than Three Cheers, definitely. Yeah. Like, it's it's less polished and stuff like that, but it's... I love it. Very and good. I've really enjoyed re-listening to it. So have I! I went back and I was like, oh. I was even listening to today, I was like, oh. So was I. <laughs> so then, following a tour with Avenged Sevenfold, so, like, that's really cool really early on in their career they toured with Avenged so they started working on the follow-up album so in June 2004 they released Three Cheers for Sweet Revenge there was a quote from Stylus magazine that's that I just thought summed it up really well if you've never heard it and for some reason decided to listen to this episode I don't know why you would but the quote is that it skirts the line between pop punk and edgy theatrical emo while being strongly influenced by hardcore punk but I just liked pop punk edgy theatrical emo I was like yes that's it yeah that, that, that sums it up it's theatrical and I think that's a word that comes up again and again when you're talking about yeah. My Chemical Romance and it's not something that I've ever like consciously thought about but now doing the research I'm like yeah, they're so theatrical like. them. so this again is about the story of a man and a woman who are separated by death in a gunfight and he goes to hell only to realise by the devil telling him that she is still alive the devil says he can be with her again if he brings the devil the souls of a thousand evil men and the man agrees to do it are we supposed to know this from listening to the album well i never knew this till i started doing the research but apparently the devil hands him a gun and that was the idea behind the concept and the record ended up being much more about loss and real life than anything so i would say it's a good split so that was all like a quote from gerard himself so one month after the album was released they got rid of the drummer (laughs) And Band they, change. And they got Bob Breyer in. I don't, I actually didn't look up much about Bob now, to be fair. I've given everyone a little bit of a history. I've got nothing on Bob. He's so cute. If you watch the documentary, he hates being on camera. He hates being yeah. filmed. He doesn't like the spotlight. He doesn't want anything to do with it. And all he does in all the footage of himself is like push the camera away and yeah. be like, go away and like throw things at the camera and all. And so, he's the only one who's not from New Jersey. Where is he from? Mm, can't remember. I just know he's not, <laughs> he's not from there. As I said, I have no history on Bob here. <laughs> the singles they released from the album are I'm Not Okay. Thank You for the Venom which was only released in the UK because I didn't know it was a single I didn't know that was a single and I apparently said it was, it was I'm Not Okay and then Helena Yeah but apparently in the middle of that Thank You for the Venom was released but only in the UK which Why? is bizarre Why do? No idea Then Helena and The Ghost of You and they're just some of the most epic music videos of all time like they're so I'm Not classic. Okay How many times did we recreate that video <laughs> with our air guitars <laughs> singing along and miming it is uh, it's a classic they're so all good. classics all three of them and the ghost of you what a song save that for later <laughs> but i mean the video and it's trying to be like saving private ryan and it's, oh, it's so good i just like jared's hair in it yeah it's, it's all... cute isn't it a little slick back <laughs> so at the beginning of 2005 the band was featured on the first taste of chaos tour along with the used and kill switch engage they were an opening act for green day on their american idiot tour they then co-headlined the warp tour in 2005 with fallout boy and co-headlined a tour with alkaline trio and reggie and the full effect around the u.s so i don't know who reggie and the, <laughs> the full effect are never heard of them what? in my entire life are you not their biggest fan the names i just dropped there like the used green day kill switch engage alkaline trio they were only starting out and they just got catapulted with those names they don't make tours like that anymore could you imagine me nerves (laughs) I'd be fucking shitting myself in the front row (laughs) (laughs) imagine they did like some comeback tour that was all those bands I really want to see the used. I've never seen the used. I've never seen the used. So the Bert same year, <laughs> this speaking of this, that same year, my chemical romance collaborated with the used for for a cover of the Queen and David Bowie classic "Under Pressure," which was released as a benefit single for Tsunami Relief Aww. on iTunes and other. So many odds. Drinking game. Every time Claire says 
Oh. So yeah, tell me your thoughts on Three Cheers. Well, what thoughts can we have? Only great, great album. Defines my, not teenage years, but I suppose later teenage years, early 20s. Just was such an album where, I don't know, they just really made you feel something. I mean, yeah. that sounds so weird, but they just made you feel something. And the song's so good. Jared Way, so, it's like, what a lead singer. Loved it. Love going back and listening to it now. Yeah, I, like, I don't think it's aged. I go back and listen to it now. Yeah. Like, because I listen to some things now that I'm like, oh, remember when I liked that. But I listen to this and it's like the first Still. time I've ever heard it. So Three Cheers was the first album that I ever listened to by them. Like, similar to the Fall Out Boy one, I felt something that day and I was like, this is it. Yeah. This is it. This is it for me. Like, I can't. Did you know of them before they released I'm Not Okay? I don't think so. I don't think I did. I think that video was just on crying. Yeah. I think it was always on and I was like, I don't know what this is, but I love it. I love it. And then I bought the album and I was like, I love this even more than that Fancied song. I Frank so much. Yes. Yeah. Oh, little Frank. You're such a little babe. Don't uh, sexualize the bands, sorry, please. Sorry. <laughs> yeah, we kind of were like, Hayley Williams. Everyone likes them because she's a babe. And we're like, Frank. <laughs> In March 2006, the album Life on the Murder Scene was released, which was a live CD and two DVDs. So this is where I got the documentary that I watch on YouTube is from this. Mm. So it was released in 2006, so it is really old. There's the documentary DVD, which chronicles the band's history. And then there's a second DVD that has the music videos, the making of their videos and live performances. I was meaning to look that up, but I just didn't have a chance, but I will. Okay. I want to watch the making of the video. I want to watch like all of that stuff because I love them. And the album featured live performances and then two demos which were I Never Told You What I Do For A Living a demo of that and then Bury Me In Black and then another song called Desert Song they released on that so I only listened to those songs for the first time today it's one of those things I don't listen to songs that aren't on albums neither do I you know these like hard to find songs I don't listen to them like and I just also this is before Spotify yeah so you'd have been lime wiring yeah or I romance I'm never going to go buy a CD that I already have just because it's like the live version with one extra song. Yeah, because we all know we hate live versions. Exactly. I'm never <laughs> going to do it. So I was never going to buy this. And then today on the bus into work, I was like, I should listen to those songs I never listened to because it's one of those things that the hardcore fans are always going to name them as their favorite song. Yeah, to seem to be up there. I know everything about them. So my favorite song is this like really rare B-side that no one's ever heard of. I listened to them today and I wasn't blown away, to be fair. I wasn't like, oh my God, I can't believe I've been missing out on this the whole time. I was like, kill song. Are they of the three cheers for sweet revenge desert song is i think that was a little bit slower than i expected bury me in black is a demo and it sounds like a demo like it's very rough yeah very very rough gerard struggled with alcoholism until 2007 and mikey also had alcoholism as well and he's been sober since 2014 if you watch the documentary he's drunk a lot and i don't mean like he's having a few drinks i mean like he's falling down he's puking he doesn't know where he is Mm -hmm. and they also talk about the very first gig they ever played they were so nervous all of them just got absolutely off their face drunk. I do think if you watch their live performances, they look like they're absolutely hammered. Like the early like ones, or do you mean like all of them? The early ones, they're like rolling around the place. Yeah, there's a lot going on. Oh. What I read online, it said that he struggled with alcoholism until 2007 and he got clean and now he can enjoy a social drink. But I don't think that was updated very recently. So I don't know if that's true or not, or like if it was kind of a temporary thing and he doesn't drink anymore. I honestly don't I, know. I don't think people who have alcoholism 
can just start having casual drinks. Yeah, no, I don't. I don't think it's a good idea. <laughs> Slippery slope. <laughs> I just want to talk a little bit about Gerard's gender identity as well. So their most recent tour, he's been wearing dresses and he's been wearing skirts and he's like just been living his best life. Yeah, I love it. Like I just love it. I just give a fuck. And another thing as well was like there was one gig where they got booed off the stage. I think it was like Reading or Leeds or something like that. That was like a rock festival. And then mm. at that time, people were like emos lame and like throwing balls of piss at them and all this and in the middle of it all Gerard grabs Frank and they make out on the stage I didn't know that because they're just like fuck it <laughs> and I just love that that they're like I love that so much yeah oh is emo gay I'll show you gay <laughs> and they don't care I how love gay it. can we be Gerard has come out and said that through my couple grandmas and stuff he's been able to explore he's not transgender or he's not like whatever but he would call he would go by he they or he or they I did just see, like yeah I saw that he has uh, some interview he was given he said that throughout his whole life he just identifies more with being a female or he's felt more female than yeah he said he, he he's never connected with like the macho stereotypes yeah. or like the men men whatever so he's he's always yeah. like had a little bit of femininity going on and um, well, I just think that's cool represent <laughs> <laughs> and also he's the first cousin once removed of Joe Rogan I think I read this but they've never met they've never met yeah that, that need, little fact at the end I was like oh we need to make imagine, it happen imagine Joe Rogan fucking give us a call Gerard Way over there gender bending and Joe Rogan I wonder what he'd have to say about that if you listen to Joe Rogan block me <laughs> and then obviously as you probably know Gerard Way wrote the Umbrella Academy comics he's written other comics as well he made a cartoon for Cartoon Network which then I found out it didn't become a thing because they had one that was already quite similar to it like they said they had one too similar to release his but he's just a really creative person just a creative fucking genius yeah and he can really draw and yeah Umbrella Academy is great I just realised I wrote Umbrella Academy with three L's so you did <laughs> I was like am I drunk <laughs> so good at English <laughs> yes also I'd like to say that I didn't use an envelope today and my notes are like really bent and I'm really upset about it but you have notes so I have notes <laughs> So April 2006, they started recording the third album, The Black Parade. There was a rumour going around that this was going to be called The Rise and Fall of My Chemical Romance, which was kind of after The Rise and Fall of Ziggy Stardust, the David Bowie album. But afterwards, Gerard came out and said, like, we were only joking. I think people took that really seriously. Of course, because they have the kind of fans that are going to take anything he says as gospel. So they just ran with it and were like, this is going to be called The Rise and Fall of My Chemical Romance. But yeah, Gerard himself said we were joking. So in August, they filmed the video for Welcome to the Black Parade and Famous Last Words. Obviously, it's like a continuation kind of thing. They're wearing the same outfits, etc. But there were injuries on set. So Gerard tore his ankle ligaments and Bob suffered a burn to his leg that led to a severe staph infection and he was in the hospital for weeks. I read this and the microbiologist to me was like, it's <laughs> and I just want to say they're such iconic videos and the director of them is the same director who did Smells Like Teen Spirit and American Idiot so I was like they're such iconic songs and then I was like those videos aren't great no aren't they like Smells Like Teen Spirit is just them jumping around the place yeah, yeah. in a kind of dark room with some cheerleaders in the background and then American Idiot is just like they're splashing in paint and the American flag jumping stuff. around the place yeah yeah. Mm. but then I was like okay welcome to the back parade there is a lot going on but then famous last words everything's just kind of on fire I was like not a lot happens in these videos he's clearly not a good director either if they all went on fire yeah (laughs) what was happening (laughs) 
So in August 2006, so they had already filmed the videos, but obviously hadn't released anything. And in the August of 2006, they did a one-off show at the London Hammersmith, which has a capacity of 1,800 people. So it was small. Teeny tiny. At that, they had 20 people come out in black capes with their faces covered and then loads of fans. And then the street team came behind them with signs saying the Black Parade. This is obviously before anyone knew what the Black Parade was. So this was the announcement for it. And before My Chemical Romance took to the stage, there was a speaker came on like an announcement saying... My Chemical Romance cannot play tonight, but the Black Parade will be. And the fans were like, what the fuck? You'd be <laughs> raging if you asked them. Because <laughs> apparently, like, tickets, obviously, with the capacity was only 1,800 people. Tickets were, like, gold dust. Yeah. And they went on eBay and they were selling for, like, so much money and all. And then they came on and were like, My Chemical Romance aren't playing. And everyone was like, what? But obviously, it was the Black Parade. Imagine being at that show. I can't understand why they did it in London. Because it's the capital. <laughs> Yeah, but they're American. I had to think about that for a second. I was like, is it the capital? Yes. But they're an American band. They're oh, so yeah. about like being from New Jersey. And even if they did it in New York or... Do I just don't understand the thinking. bigger in the UK than they were in the US? I think they were massive everywhere after I'm not okay. Good question. Wouldn't have thought of that. Yeah. But do you remember? I have this distinct memory. Was it when the album was released? HMV in... Dublin of like a load of emo kids us included walking down Grafton Street I did not attend that Black Parade march I think I might have (laughs) I remember being really embarrassed by that I think I was Because it was a stage when emo was really embarrassing. And then they're marching down Grafton Street, all holding signs saying the Black Parade to announce the album. And I was like, well, you've made us look even worse, man. I'm not even making this up. I remember now. I happened to be there. (laughs) (laughs) Wearing a Black Parade t-shirt. With a sign that said the Black Parade. And we just joined in. No, honestly, we did happen to be there. And we're like, this cool. And joined in, but it was not cool. It was not it was cool. weird. Claire. I don't even know what it was. I think what I said in the Hammersmith when they had that show, they had the street team there. And I remember street teams were such a thing to promote mm. bands. Because I suppose social media wasn't that big at the time. And it was like, there was always people going around your city, putting stickers and like posters and advertising like bands. Yeah. How'd you get that job? I actually signed up to be a street team for some record label. I can't even remember. I honestly can't remember. And they used to just send me stickers and be like, you have to send pictures of where you've put the stickers as proof that you've actually put them out. But they were like sending me stuff that like, I didn't know who the artists were. Oh, were they Irish? No. Does anyone want to be our street team? (laughs) Foundation of emo stickers everywhere. (laughs) We don't have any, but we can make them. We have our wonderful friend Steph who runs Nice Try Pumpkin who designed our logo. She will definitely make us some um, stickers. Shout out Steph. Shout out to Steph. Follow her on Instagram. Oh yeah, so everyone was really upset that My Chemical Romance weren't going to take to the stage, but then obviously they did in their Black Parade outfits in those marching band Mm -hmm. costumes, iconic. And they announced the name of the album and when it was going to be released during that show. It was basically like an announcement show, like which I just think, as you said, imagine being there. Imagine being there and thinking back on it now. So cool. So yeah, then at Reading, they were bottled by Slayer fans. Of course they were. So I'm not sure if that's the one where they kissed on stage but probably, probably I, that could have happened at multiple shows to be fair because they did kiss a lot <laughs> but I, I just like that there's a quote from Gerard saying it was the greatest victory as a show yeah <laughs> but that's like they didn't care yeah and why should they they shouldn't care that's what I like about it so I didn't know this but they released Welcome to the Black Parade the single on September 11th 2006 I didn't know that so obviously that is um five so, the five-year anniversary of 9-11 
they released that. Yeah. So they blatantly did that on purpose. I think that's really cool. So that was their first number one in the UK singles chart. And it went to number nine in the US Billboard charts. And that's the only top 10 hit that they've had, like to this day. At all? Mm-hmm. Oh. They're not mainstream. I was really surprised. And I was like, wait a minute, they're they're not a pop band. Like Fall Out Boy are more pop than them. And they've like been to number one. I just remember all these kids suddenly started wearing those outfits. God, no, that's kind of embarrassing. Yeah, it was cringe. But to me, that was, they were popular. Yeah, yeah, fair. But I still think it was just the emo kids. It wasn't like the cool kids. True. (laughs) Wait, that wasn't cool. to break it to you. So they eventually released the album then in October of 2006. So it's a rock opera, which I think is a great... Great way to say it. It's a great summary and it's true. It's centred on a dying character with cancer known as The Patient and the album tells the story of his apparent death, experiences in the afterlife and subsequent reflection on his own life. The singles were Welcome to the Black Parade, Famous Last Words, I Don't Love You and Teenagers. The album debuted at number two in the US and the UK and in its first week it sold 240,000 records which the very very best week they had of sales for Three Cheers for Sweet Revenge was 38,000. Mad. So then for the first week to sell 240,000 pretty cool. And these days, 240,000 is probably nothing. Yeah, but people don't sell records anymore. Yeah, but you know what I mean? (laughs) Whatever the equivalent is. (laughs) He listens on Spotify. So they started the Black Parade tour then in February 2007, and it was 133 shows, which to me is wild. And they had, like on different tour dates, they had Rise Against Thursday and Muse supporting. Muse supported them. That's what I couldn't get over. Muse supported My Chemical Romance. I don't like Muse, but they're so big. And... Also, I would imagine the fans of Muse are not the same fans of yeah. My Chemical Romance. Bit of a random one. All I can think of is I used to have a Kerrang DVD. It might have been Kerrang, it might have been Rock Sound. And it had Time Is Running Out. It had... Mm-hmm, yeah. Mm-hmm. <gasps> Did it have that band we won't name from Wales on it? Yeah. That was the same CD I had. Mm-hmm. Muse to me in that era, I think, was a bit more rocky. And then they got a bit... Mm pretentious also you know we like to tie in episodes with our future episodes mm-hmm. i'm pretty sure funeral for a friend juno was on that yes it was it was <laughs> that's how i discovered funeral for a friend mm-hmm. foreshadowing <laughs> daddy's just turning the pages of her notes here sure <laughs> so what are your thoughts on the black pride tell me your experience my experience if i had to apart go back- from going to the fucking march <laughs> right we can never tell anyone about that <laughs> Even though it's on the podcast. So if I had to go back and listen to my Camp Romance now, it's the last album I'd listen to. It's not the last, but it's down there for me. I had got out of my emo stage Mm. by the time I came out and I never bought it. And I was really embarrassed by the Black Parade in town and I like wanted nothing to do with it, to be honest. And years later... I came back to it and I bought it. I bought the CD, I think. And I listened to it and I was like, what is this? And I was actually shocked because I thought I was going to like it and I didn't like it at yeah. all. Yeah, obviously there's some great songs on it, but I just never, it would never be one that I would choose to put on. Liza Minnelli's on it. I always forget that. <laughs> I actually like it more now. I know when I listened to it at first, I was like, what the fuck is this? I hate it. I hate everything about it. There's nothing I like about it. And now I listen to it and I'm like, okay, no, it's got some tunes on it. I think I got sick of the whole theme. Yeah, the it's whole, very, like, I mean, it's a rock opera. It's, there's a theme. Every show they played, they were in the stupid jackets and I just got sick of it. What I do like though, is that they played characters and Gerard played a character of the band leader for all the shows. And mm-hmm. he like he took on a different persona on stage. He wasn't himself. He was 
the band leader and that's how theatrical they are they are so much more than a band when mm. you think of that can you imagine another band doing that yeah like taking on a whole different persona and like acting on stage as somebody else like that just doesn't happen yeah just one of the reasons i like them but no i do like famous last words to me is one of the most epic songs of all time Agreed. it's my sister and i are not like the best of friends at all but if we're at a house party one of us is going to put that song <laughs> on we're going to lock eyes across the room and as soon as it kicks in we're going to drop to our knees and i don't care if it's tiled floors and we're in our <laughs> 30s now she's nearly in her 30s it's going to be sore and i don't care it's it- that epic you need to drop to your knees put your fist in the air and nano <laughs> it's epic and it's it's our jam it's i really want to listen to it now actually great song and also there's another song sleep is that the name of the song yeah that song sleep i actually had a moment with that a couple of years ago where i had it on repeat and it's not my on repeat song this isn't a spoiler oh. but i did like that song i just had it on repeat it was so epic I don't know it must have been the time of my life that it was <laughs> that it just connected with me or something but I couldn't stop listening to that song there are some good songs in this album just not one that you'd maybe listen to the whole way through yeah the album wouldn't be one that I'd be like oh I'm gonna stick that on like yeah. no but I might go and listen to one or two songs and be like yes yeah in 2016 during their hiatus they reissued the album for its 10th anniversary and it's called the Black Parade slash Living With Ghosts they just released the Black Parade album and then Living With Ghosts I love that album (laughs) Living With Ghosts was 11 unreleased demos and live songs and then they also at some stage released The Black Parade Is Dead which was a live album DVD combo and they also released The Black Parade B-Sides which was an EP of B-Sides so they really went to town with this album like this I don't remember any of those because I clearly didn't care enough well I didn't care about The Black Parade to begin with so I didn't get into all this but I just couldn't believe how many releases they had off the back of The Black Parade alone bands do that they just like to drag it out and get as much as they can out of it we're running with the theme so that brings us to February 2009 when they released the single Desolation Row which is a Bob Dylan cover I didn't know it was a Bob Dylan cover I don't know I don't know Bob Dylan sorry (laughs) I got kicked out of talking about music because I said I don't know Bob Dylan don't tell my dad And then in the May of 2009, it was announced that they were heading to the studio to record the fourth album. So the producer for the album was Brendan O'Brien, who I've never heard of. (laughs) So Irish. My dad. (laughs) (laughs) But he produced ACDC, Pearl Jam, Red Hot Chili Peppers, Rage Against the Machine. Like he produced literally my dad. (laughs) He produced your dad. (laughs) He is his father. He produced like so many big names. So that's why I wanted to include that. But the aim for this album was they wanted it to be fun, stripped down approach with no concepts, no characters, no costumes and no extra instrumentation. So they recorded that and they didn't like it. So they felt that they were holding themselves back creatively and they just shelved that album. The whole thing. Yeah. Just said, ah, nice yeah. I'll put that in the back catalogue. Yeah. So they went on to release that later on and that was Conventional Weapons. Uh, which why, I, did I they will. they liked it then? I'll talk about that later. <laughs> but I just, I didn't know that. That's something I learned. But what they did was they then went back to the producer, Rob Cavallo of The Black Parade and made a brand new album. <laughs> and like, fuck Brendan O'Brien anyway. <laughs> His shite albums. <laughs> so they said, hey, we don't want to make it like this album. So let's get this other guy. Decided they didn't like it and then said, nah, let's make it exactly like the other album and get him back. Yeah, basically. <laughs> So more producer changes than lineup changes. <laughs> I know, I don't know what they were at. But then Gerard said to NME, like there's a quote that says, the band misses being a rock band. And then in March 2010, there was an official announcement that Bob Breyer had left. Little 
Bob. So Bob was only on the Black Parade. No. Yeah. No, he was in the I'm Not Okay, the music video. But he wasn't on, he wasn't on the recordings or something. He was literally only on, when I was reading it, he was on one album. What? Yeah, Little Bob. Yeah, I know, because I always Baldy feel like Bob. he's just a part of. It was a little lip ring. Then in September 2010, there was a trailer uploaded to their official YouTube channel announcing the album title Danger Days, The True Lives of the Fabulous Killjoys. And it featured a sample of the song. Drugs, give me drugs, give me drugs. <laughs> and then they released the album in November. So again, I didn't get into this now because I'm not gonna lie to you, I don't care enough. As much as I love my sons, my comical romance. This album, I have absolutely no tie to whatsoever. They had alter egos, they all had a different name, and they all played characters in the music videos, and the music videos ran into each other as like a story that you could read. Oh, I did not know any I of this. I don't care. I didn't know any of that. I just listened to it as an album. Do you not know the stories when they're like racing through a desert in cars and all? No. I've literally never paid enough attention to even tell you what was going on, but... What a waste of time. Yeah. I just didn't like this album. But it's not very what we've said there they're just the concept worked for the black parade it was great nobody had really done it emo people were like woohoo and now they're just trying to recreate it yeah it's like we've got new characters now we're gonna do this and it's like no that worked because it was so different yeah. with the black parade and now it's like boring yeah this was Gerard's red hair era and I liked his red hair yeah I just but I just never got kind into of sin that to you. can't relate <laughs> sassy redhead so this is another rock opera it's described as but I don't think this is theatrical in the way that the Black Parade is the album storyline takes place in post-apocalyptic California in 2019 where a group of rebellious outsiders known as the Killjoys battle against an evil corporation and then in 2013 Gerard published a comic that continues the story that's described in the album hmm I really didn't know any of this. I'm shocked. So the singles off this are The Only Hope For Me Is You Sing Planetary Go Bulletproof Heart and The Kids From Yesterday which there are so many singles off this album and I didn't even know. Didn't know that either. Didn't know half those were singles. I think I might not have known this album existed until years after they released it. That's how much, that's how little I cared. Yeah, it was one I went back to. I actually only went got back to it in the lead up. Like, I think I listened to it years ago. Mm. And then in the lead up to their gig last year, I was like, I need to know all the songs. And I started listening to it and it just never clicked with me. None of the songs stick with me. Apart from na 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 na. Well, it's like, I know the songs. It's like na 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 na. And then there's like teenagers. Go. No, that's a different no. album. See, I don't even know. And then sing, it's like, sing it. Like, it's all just yeah. very, like, mm, I don't know. There's nothing that stands out to me about some. I will say that they did play Destroyer at the gig in Kamenum last year. And I only liked the song after hearing it live. There was, mm. I don't know why. There's something about the whole, Sometimes that happens. the whole crowd. And they were like, Destroyer, Destroyer. I was like, yes, I fucking love this song. <laughs> but I did. I listened to it for weeks after the, the gig. It was, I really liked that song. I don't even was this the first album where he was sober? Mm. Or was he sober like halfway through the other one? Let's just check the notes. They recorded it in 2006 and the, what I read said he was sober from 2007. Sorry, they recorded the Black Parade in 2006 and from what I read he was sober from 2007. So, so that he would sober, sober Jared here. is a shit Jared. <laughs> Sassy redhead Jared <laughs> is sober. Can't relate. <laughs> So yeah, in late 2010, I love this little bit of drums. Um, <laughs> in, late, drums. in late 2010, there was a new drummer, Michael Pedicone. And in September 2011, Frank posted on their official My Chemical Romance website. The official post said, the relationship between My Chemical Romance and Mike, Michael Pedicone is over. 
And he explained that Petticone was sacked because, this is quotes, he was caught red-handed stealing from the band and confessed to police after our show last night in Auburn, Washington. <laughs> now, I don't know what he stole. That's all the information I found. But like, they posted that on their official website. What did he steal? I don't know. It can't have been money, was it? Well, he, like, they had the police involved. It can't have been like, their clothes. Like, I don't know. They clearly didn't have one of those media, what are they called? You know, people who stop PR people. Yeah. people who stop you (laughs) the PR people so they kind of had a few different session drummers and stuff during that time they didn't have an official drummer like after they got rid of Michael and then from I think this is wild October 2010 to February 2012 they did the World Contamination Tour and it was 102 shows now funny enough the Black Parade Tour was more shows but I just think October 2010 to February 2012 seems like a really long time so does 102 they're just playing those same songs from this album. Must get tour. so boring. Oh, I can't even imagine. Wait, who was their drummer? Just session ones? Yeah, they, they just had kind of various drummers and like kind of... It, Stand-ins. Nobody Nobody's. <laughs> Unless you're the Welsh lad from Nine Inch Nails. We don't care. Then in October 2011, Frank said that they were working on new music that could be out by the summer. In February 2012, they revealed that they were building their own studio in order to record the next album, which they referred to as MCR5. Now, I don't think they ever said, the next album is going to be called MCR5. They just referred referred to it as MCR5 because it was going to be their fifth album. And then the fans were like, MCR5. What they did was then they started to release conventional weapons. So this was the original album. The shelved album. The shelved album that didn't make it because they wanted to do Danger Days instead. They released conventional weapons, two songs per month for five months. So from October 2012 to February 2013, they were just releasing two songs a month from that album. It wasn't even an album, it was like singles. Who do they think they are, Paramore? <laughs> well, at least it was a better idea. <laughs> Have you listened to No. I never listened to it until last year, going to the gig. I was like, I want to know all their songs. So I listened to them and there are some really good songs. From the shelved album? From the shelved album. Mm. Now, I've been listening, there's a playlist on Spotify that you can just listen to it all through. So it's all 10 songs. So it's like the whole album that they didn't release. And I will say, when you listen to it as a whole, it's not theatrical. It doesn't give you the excited My Chemical Romance feeling, but there are standout songs. So I wouldn't recommend like listening to it all 10. You're kind of like, meh. And there's some songs that aren't great, but what songs are good? Gun, Ambulance, Tomorrow's Money and Boy Division. I will listen to them. They're so good. Like, really good songs. Like, I've been listening to them so much over the past couple of days in preparation for this. And I'm like, go back, listen to them again. But you can't. So you have to search the playlist. It's not an album. That's, you'd miss it. I think they're under their singles on, on Spotify. Yeah, but not as But I'm not going in to listen to two singles and then have to go back out and then listen to two singles. and So just listen to the playlist. But yeah, don't don't let that pass you by, is what I'm saying. It passed me by. Passed me by up until last year. <laughs> but definitely worthwhile listening to, even though that was the shelved songs. I mean, they obviously thought there was something there if they went on to release them, yeah, is what I'm saying. Brendan O'Brien. Brendan so O'Brien. Bad. You weren't all bad. <laughs> so up until February 2013, they were releasing those two songs a month. And then in March, so literally the next month, they released a statement. And they said, being in this band for the past 12 years has been a true blessing. We've gotten to go places we never knew we would. We've been able to see and experience things we never imagined possible. We've shared the stage with people we admire, people we look up to, and best of all, our friends. And now, like all great things, it has come time for it to end. Thanks for all your support and for being part of the adventure. No problem. And that was the end of my comic romance. The end. End of the episode. Good night. <laughs> no drums. That's it. That's the end. So yeah, they that's they broke up. Like I'm not. Go- like, I know I said hiatus a few minutes ago. It wasn't a hiatus. They broke up. They were done. Done so. That was the end of it. They didn't give any reasons. Yeah, it was like we've come to an end. Just getting old. Sauce babes. 
<laughs> so yeah, so then they all went on to do their own stuff because as we said, they're really creative people. They've always been involved in music and I think they don't know how to not be in a band. I.e. they are Pete Winst. <laughs> so Gerard went on to release his solo project, Hesitant Alien. Great name. Have you ever listened to it? No. Neither sure. have I. I feel like I might have listened to a song or two and was kind of like, mm, and then never tried again I did mean to listen to it in the lead up to this episode and just didn't have a chance Mm. because I was listening to the songs I really love on repeat (laughs) we'll we'll listen to it for the next one and then Frank released an album called Stomach Aches under the moniker Frankiero and the Celebration and then he released like another album and it was called Frankiero and the something else and then he released another album (laughs) under the name Frankiero and the Future Violence Oh yeah. So he changed the name of the band every time they released an album. <gasps> I listened a little bit. It's more punky, but I know Frank is more punky. Like that's, mohawk. That's his thing. Like he's really into punk music and it's just, yeah, it's not really my vibes. No. I'd l- I will try and give it another les- listen and see if I can get into it. But um, I'd also like to point out that he spelled it Frank Giro as one word and there is one word and then celebration is spelled wrong, which is just upsetting. For someone like me and that's probably why i could never get behind it was it the same band for each album that's a really good question i feel like it wasn't oh, but yeah, i might I was be, gonna say, you'd be highly insulted if you just was like i'm gonna keep my name the same but we're gonna change yours <laughs> so mikey formed electric century along with a vocalist from sleep station i don't know who sleep station are but the vocalist called david Debiak and they released a self-titled EP. Now I've never heard of Sleep Station or Electric Century and I never knew Mikey did any other oh, stuff. Oh he's so cute. But he did stuff. And then Ray Toro posted a song on his SoundCloud and he titled it was titled Isn't That Something? And he also posted another song called For the Lost and Brave, which was dedicated to Leela Alcorn, who was a transgender teen who committed suicide. So cute. And again, I've never heard any of that, but I just thought Not that was a really tough. cute story to yeah. tell. So 2019, shit started happening. <laughs> Social media started lighting up with stuff about My Chemical Romance. They started posting on their Instagram. There was these hooded figures. There was these strange symbols. The fans went wild. I had a friend who was just constantly texting me being like, I think this means this and this means this. And and all this. And I was just like, are they coming back or what? Like, <laughs> Is there going to be another parade I need to join on Grafton Street? I'm too old and I don't have the time to be following the clues. I need someone to tell me, <laughs> these are the clues. This is what it means. They're going to come back. And like, that's what I need in my life. I mean, I love it. I love the mystery. I love all that's going on. I don't have the time to commit to the research. I am not the FBI. Yeah, but as you love the suspense and the... They're just teasing us. So on October 31st, Halloween, they announced that they were reuniting and what they did was they launched new merch. How awkward. Yeah. I mean, they they weren't like, here's our new music. They weren't like, whatever. They were like, buy my merch. <laughs> <laughs> Which respect. And then they announced tour dates. Of course, they were all delayed then because of COVID. Obviously COVID. <laughs> COVID fucks with everything. So they did eventually release tour dates for Ireland and they were delayed. And I just like, I was at a point where I was like, I'm never going to see my camera again and then they played and I have many videos that I probably will have already teased on social media by this time and I'll post more (laughs) because there are so many videos of me at that gig and you've never seen a happier person in your entire life swear to god (laughs) I've only seen them once I can't believe it didn't go I know I was 16 maybe when I saw them in the ambassador I saw them like once years and years and years ago and I know the show was 45 minutes long and I was really into them at the time and I was like what the fuck was that it was over in 45 minutes like it was like I got there and then it was like finished no I saw them I and I was really disappointed I see I can't really remember I think I was just so excited and I left school early so we could <laughs> queue to see them and it was the best night of my life no, I think I had gone out of that phase by the time they played again I was like nah, they're gonna start playing the Black Parade shit again don't I? yeah that was it then they started the Black Parade stuff and I wasn't into it so I didn't go see them again but then last year when I saw them at Kilmainham it's one of the best days of my life 
Like, I was at that gig. I was bordering on crying. I was shaking with anticipation. I was, uh, like, I was like a teen girl. Love it. We need to see these vids. <laughs> They're so silly. Like, I am on another level. They were amazing. And what I loved was on the tour, they were changing up the set list. They were introducing new songs. They weren't playing the same thing every night. And they were telling different stories on stage every night. I love that. They were loving it. Aww. They were having such a good time. Gerard was telling stories about when he met his wife. More to come on that. He said that when he was playing before, he used to be really anxious about his voice and about affecting his voice and hurting his voice and not being able to sing. And he said this time around, he's having such a good time on tour. He said he doesn't give a fuck. He said he's just out there having fun. And he said, I could be playing to the Queen of England. I don't care about my voice. And the crowd booed the fuck out of him because he mentioned the Queen of England in Ireland. Oh no, there are the funniest photographs ever that someone got where he was like so confused like why is everyone booing the queen of Eng- queen of england Does and then ireland is in england i don't know but then the whole crowd were like fuck that queen fuck that queen for ages and then there's other pictures of him and he's just like because <laughs> he doesn't know what's going on and he just looks so confused he's like okay oh. that's what we're doing <laughs> oh it's oh. amazing that's uh, actually I saw the meme circulating again of the two pictures of him being like huh and then being like oh. <laughs> I saw it when the queen was dying <laughs> oh my God. People, people were just posting that like saying absolutely nothing just posting that and I was like <laughs> I get that poor old Lizzie that was great fuck the queen anyway <laughs> <laughs> and racists <laughs> and then yeah so in May 2022 they released the foundations of decay mm-hmm they didn't tell anyone they were going to release a single. There was no teasing. There was absolutely nothing. I woke up one day and my phone was just full of texts from people being like, my chemicals have a new song and you need to know about it. And I was like, I fucking do. <laughs> and I was lying in bed, like my eyes were barely open and I just like put it on and I listened to a lying in bed. And my ex was like, what the fuck? I was like, my chemicals have a new song. Don't talk to me. And then when it's finished and it's a really long song, I feel like it's like five or six minutes it is long. It's really long. When it finished, I just put it on again. And I put it on again and then I got up and I went to the toilet and I like brought my phone into the toilet and I was listening in the toilet and I came out and I started getting ready for my day. <laughs> I just listened to it on repeat and it's, it's epic. But it, nothing since? No, nothing since. Yeah. But with that song, like I, I listened to it so much when I came out, I stopped listening to it and then yeah. I knew it, like they played it obviously at the gig. It was the first song they played and it was amazing. And I hadn't listened to it since. And then I went for a walk a couple of weeks ago in the park and I don't know what made me. I was like, I haven't gone on Foundations of Decay and I put it on and I was like, they had no right to just drop this on us unannounced. They're just playing this song for us and it's so good and so epic. And in it, they say, he was there the day the towers fell. And so he wandered down the road and it's full circle. It's bringing us back to how my chemical romance got together. 20 years ago. Live for it. Lefra. Side note though, where did they get the title from? I feel like they stole that from some really cool podcast. Yeah, they stole it from us. We didn't steal it from them. <laughs> At the gig, I was so excited. I did drink a rake of pints, not gonna lie to you. We were in a field, it was cold, I was drinking pints, I was excited for my chemical romance, there was a lot going on. By the time it got to the end of their set, I literally thought I was gonna wee myself. I was From excitement or from the pints? No, the pints building up in my bladder. I was in a really bad way. Like, I was like, I don't want to miss a second of this set. I may piss myself. And I was like, going between the two. Do we piss ourselves from my chemical romance? Where are we at here? I was weighing up all my options. It was coming. I knew it was coming to the end of the set. And I was like, do you know what? I'm at a point now. I'm in physical pain. I was like, I have to go to the toilet. So I was legging it back to the porta potties. Sorry for the mental imagery, but I have very distinct memory of sitting in a porta potty 
And they started playing Skylines and Turnstiles. And you missed it? And I was like, are you fucking kidding me? Their first ever song, 9-11, this is my life, this is full circle, I'm pissing for Ireland. In a porta potty <laughs> I, you've never seen anyone smile the way I was smiling in that porta potty I don't think anyone smiles in the porta potty <laughs> I was like, I <laughs> got out and I like ran across the field. <laughs> I mean, I, you know, pulled up my pants and washed my hands. First. And then I was shooting across the fields and I was skipping and I was like you're not in this alone and I, like oh unreal then oh. they played Lena after that but oh was that their encore yeah the encore was the two songs I think yeah nearly missed her yeah. for a piss and <laughs> so had a great time in a port potty that's that's my story so yeah so there is a lot of drama around my chemical romance and I do feel like it stems from the fans like I'm not saying they're unproblematic or anything like that like they're humans but they do have a really really extreme fan base mm-hmm. when they released Foundations of Decay and when they released the tour and they were coming back I was looking them up a lot on Twitter so my Twitter feed is like the worst my chemical romance fans of all time like the worst takes like <laughs> my Twitter feed is in bits and it's not for me following them it's from like the algorithm or whatever but it's always just like look at this video of Ray looking at Frank like he wants to have sex with him and it's oh, like, I've seen some of them. it's really really scary and it's really creepy and I'm too old for that kind of stuff if you're not too old for that kind of stuff listen to the podcast Kids from Yesterday where I guested mm-hmm. and read out the fanfic that I wrote <laughs> from when I was 15 I was gonna say did you write it as an adult no we didn't <laughs> wrote it when you were 15 I wrote it when I was about I no I was probably 16 when I wrote it and it's it's terrible but I got drunk and I read it out on a podcast so if you want to be really embarrassed by me you can do you can listen to that I recommend drinking through it and just having a laugh along with me at me whatever give us a summary this girl she's so alone and doesn't know her place in the world and one night she like walks out to the park because she's feeling depressed and in the middle of the night she bumps into Gerard Way as you do they start a romance a chemical romance (laughs) no okay there's no chemicals involved I was 16 I was a baby then he introduced her to Frank and she can't decide which one she loves more oh no <laughs> I can't believe you haven't listened to the other podcast well, I've been do on it Claire. Now. I just worst didn't want to give support ever. to any other podcasts. Fair. Yeah, I follow the worst fans in the world. Oh, I don't follow them. I see the worst fans in the world on Twitter and they've got their own theories. They think all the band are all riding each other, which like if they are, good for them. <laughs> I don't care. But uh, it's I the- don't think I ever got in like subscribed to that kind of side of it. Yeah, no, I didn't either. And there were so many fanfics. When I was writing my fanfics, there were so many fanfics of like the band riding each other. And I'd like to point out that that doesn't happen in my fanfic. It's a girl trying to decide which one she loves more. There's no men riding in it's it. It's very vanilla. <laughs> well, yes. <laughs> Just like I was Danny. A very, very uh, sheltered child. <laughs> Times have changed. We'll say that. Everything I'm going to say from here on in, take with a pinch of salt because it's fan theories and it's like weird stuff that came out on Tumblr and I don't know how much is true and how much is not. Take from this what you will. This is what I've read online. I don't know it to be true. Tell us. <laughs> so, the Mikey Way drama. Don't know any of this. So, I actually don't know the year. I should have looked it up. He was married and... Little cutie. Yeah, he was married. And then it all came out on Tumblr that he was cheating on his wife. Not Mikey. Yeah, Mikey. No. So, I think he'd been married for six years at this stage. Then all of a sudden, there was all these pictures of him with this girl, Sarah. So, he's married to a girl called Alicia. And then all these pictures of him surfaced on Tumblr of him with this other girl. They were photo booth pictures, kissing. <gasps> they were pictures with their arms around each other. Like, Are it wasn't... still on the internet? They weren't fan pictures is what I'm saying. I've seen the pictures and like there's no denying that 
they were a couple or like there was something going on there. This isn't like rumours. This is like actual photographic evidence. And apparently something that like the fans are really upset about is that she was a fan and there was loads of pictures of her being like my chemical romance and like wearing their hoodies, wearing their t-shirts, being a complete fangirl. Oh yeah, look at this. And then she ended up with Mikey and something that the band really talk about a lot is how they don't subscribe to groupies. They're not into that scene. They're innocent boys. They don't want to be, you know, with the fans. And then Mikey got with a groupie and everyone was really, really upset about it. So the timeline is dodgy. I was trying to look into it and his side of the story was that him and his wife had already split when he got with this girl. Fair enough. Then there were tweets that said like spending Christmas with Mikey and Alicia that made it look like they were still together. But then the pictures of him and Sarah surfaced at Christmas. So the timeline is very blurry. Also, he was 32, I want to say, and she was 19. Oh no. Mm, Very bad. I don't want to say a bad word for my chemical romance. Not supporting that now. Bunch of perps. Yeah. So apparently him and Sarah got engaged because there was pictures of her with a ring and all this stuff. And yeah, there was this whole thing. And the plot thickens. People say that's why my chemical romance broke up. I didn't know any of this. Yeah, I only found this I also refuse to believe it, to be honest. Well, I mean, the pictures are there of them together. It's But maybe they were just, I don't know, afterwards. No? <sighs> it's very Mikey hard to Wade's say. Mikey fiance, Sarah. Oh yeah, look at that. Like there's pictures of them kissing. Like it's not, <laughs> you can't deny that. Hmm. There's the age gap. There's there's so many problems in this story. Whatever about him and his wife breaking up. Like even just taking her out of the situation. The whole thing is dodgy. And the fact that she was a big... Sarah was a big fangirl. It's it's all weird. It is it's all weird. weird. So are they married now? I feel like they're not. But your one's hardly still with them. Married Kristen... Oh, so he married Alicia and then he has another one. Yeah, no, no he's he married someone else those. now. So I don't know whatever happened to Sarah in the end, but... The, the whole catalyst was people are saying this is why my chemical romance split up because everybody was so upset at him for cheating on his wife they were really close-knit like Jared and his wife were really good friends with Mikey and his wife like yeah. you know they all used to hang out together so the fact that he would cheat on his wife with someone else everyone was mad at him and that's why they broke up that's a rumour you would be mad at him though it's unconfirmed also, like it kind it makes sense to me it does make sense to me <laughs> not to go total fangirl down the rabbit hole it makes sense to me pretty stupid of them to post pictures though yeah that's Mm. the whole thing is like they have all these pictures together and all that's like he wasn't trying to hide it whatever the actual story was those pictures were out there the worst part to me is that she was 19 yeah he's 32 no that's really dodgy but then the plot thickens again in that all of this broke on a blog called no way mikey way (laughs) it was a tumblr and it was like outing it and it was like mikey way's a prick sarah's a bitch all the pictures of them he cheated on his wife it like ripped him to shreds and revealed this whole story and it all came out on this tumblr blog that people say was created (gasps) by gerard's wife Lindsay. what yeah so now people have come out and been like yes it definitely was her and all i don't know if it was definitely her but it's rumoured that it was her. Also, do we know who Lindsay is? Yeah, so she's from the band Mindless Self Indulgence. Yeah, I didn't know that. Yeah. You know they have a kid called Bandit? <gasps> which at first I was like, what the fuck? But the more I think about it, the more I'm like, that's really cute. Oh, love Mindless Self Indulgence. So Lindsay is reportedly very problematic and everyone hates her. Oh. But I don't know if this is spurred on by the fandom and like, no one's good enough for Gerard or if she actually is like a really bad person. I don't think they would ever accept him marrying someone. Yeah. Because they'd be like, no. Yeah, so like, 
I was trying to read into it because I was trying to see like, okay, what can I, what can I defend her for? And what can I not defend her for? Like trying to make my own opinion on it. And there's a lot of stuff. There was like all these, like, and there's tweets like that I've seen with my own eyes that, you know, <laughs> they're not made up. She was saying to somebody like, I can't be racist. I'm Indian. And she's not. <laughs> and there's several tweets where she said that. And it's very bizarre. There is some racism things. She also defended the, the singer of Mindless Self-Indulgence who is a convicted paedophile or he was on trial for being a paedophile. Wait, what? Yeah. Oh, and well. the band also have like really dodgy songs with the N-word and in the title and in the lyrics and stuff like that. What? I would see them years ago. Did I know any of this? No, I don't know. Were you not with me? No, I was not. I've <laughs> never seen Mindless Self-Indulgence. I did like that one song for a while. But you know, like, they're dodgy as a band. So I kind of like, that gives me vibes that she's probably not yeah probably not (laughs) saintly (laughs) i mean if she created that blog (laughs) that's wild it's a gossip girl i know and this was all about 10 years ago where like i know the boys are in their 40s now i feel like she's the same age as them probably so 10 years ago she was in her 30s so she's not a child creating tumblr blogs about your brother-in-law it's like uh, do you know the colleen rooney and rebecca vardy (laughs) it was it was Lindsay's account I did fall down a rabbit hole ages ago when I first found this out, like maybe a year or two ago. I fell down rabbit holes of reading tumblers and reading different things. And it's hard to like differentiate what's like fan drama and what's actual. But I've seen so many of Lindsay's posts and she posts like a fucking 16 year old girl. And I just can't get behind that. They're still married? Yeah, they're still together. They married backstage after one of their shows. Okay. He did. He said some like love story about her at the Dublin gig. And I was like, I was like, oh, that's really cute. And then I think it was actually a few days after that that I discovered all the drama. And I was like, oh, my God. A few days after that, I broke up with my boyfriend. (laughs) Yeah, that too. (laughs) I don't know what's what's real and what's not. I don't want to like slate the woman. I know she posts like a 12 year old girl that upsets me because she's in her 40s now. But whether she's an actual bad person, I don't know. We cannot say. One of the things that did strike me about this is how old they are, though. Jaren's 45. Mm-hmm. They're only, like, well, I want to say they're only about 10 years older than us, 12 years older than us. Let's, yeah. let's be real. Like nearly 50. I didn't realise they were that old when, I don't know, I assumed everyone was our age. What, when you were 15, you thought they were 15? I think it's because Hayley Williams was our age. Okay, yeah, no, that's fair enough. Fair. Every time I think of a band from when I was a kid, I always add like an extra 10 years on my age and figure they're about that. Clever. Because if I was 15 getting into a band, they were probably in their 20s. True. True da. True da. That's just what I do. So I wasn't surprised by their ages. I was. Maybe it's just because I'm in denial. Maybe. Yeah. We're only in our 20s. Exactly. Still 16. <laughs> so yeah, that's that's the story. That's my comic romance to date. I feel like you skipped a massive part. What part? The whole big Daily Mail scandal. I was reading about that and thinking about including it, but like I just thought it was so silly. Do you not remember it? I don't remember it first time. I remember it because Kerrang did a whole big thing about it. Hmm. Um, and that's why I think for their that album that they shelved, they were like, nope, totally going away from all this not Nemo band. Yeah. Like they like the Daily Mail. Okay, so let's start them. from the beginning. <laughs> What's the Daily Mail scandal, Claire? The Daily Mail. There was a teenage girl. Now I don't know much about the facts of this, but there was a teenage girl that she completed suicide, and I think she was a fan of My Chemical Romance, and all of a sudden they attributed it to them. So they blamed My Chemical Romance for this, and the Daily Mail obviously being the Daily Mail, went down a massive rabbit hole where they did this whole big article looking at their lyrics, looking at all the fans, saying all their fans were black and they're this new genre of emo music and they're encouraging people to do bad things to themselves, yada, yada, yada. And it was a massive, massive 
thing which I think really really upset the band and I remember Kerrang doing a whole big thing about it getting people to write in and at the time I remember being like angry about it that first gig I went to where I saw them I must have been like 15 16 but Jared did that whole everyone in the crowd you might feel like you're an outcast but we are all as one and you are not alone and I genuinely remember being like yeah I'm not alone everyone here is as weird as I am <laughs> so then for some news I won't even call them a newspaper but to turn around and try and like make them out to be the complete opposite it was just like so mean yeah. And I think it really did cause them maybe to change how they went about things. And they're totally against this whole word emo and they're like, we're not that whatsoever, like totally against it. And I think that's part of the reason. Yeah. It's like the new age, like satanic panic or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Even though they're probably the least satanic band. <laughs> <laughs> well, not least. I mean, they have an album that the theme is the devil yeah, <laughs> talking to people. It's not like, you know. Yeah. It's not devil worshipping. Yeah. Yeah. There was that. I I don't know. I just didn't get into it because I was like, it's just so ridiculous. Like it was really first of ridiculous. all, like, do we need to talk about the Daily Fail? <laughs> like, <laughs> do we bring that up? That's where I get all my news. But, okay. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it was just like the outcry about emo was just so silly. It was, and it that. does. Like I know it was years ago, but to me, it seems like a million years ago. But I think that whole attachment to the label of emo was one of those things where you were embarrassed about it. Yeah. Because people 100%. would be like, oh my god, you listen to emo. And you're like, Are you going to go kill yourself? Why don't you go cut yeah, yourself? And like, oh, for fuck's sake. Like, and that's not what it was about at all. Mm. So, fuck you, Daily Mail. Yeah. I was in my job today and uh, the conversation came up with that I have a podcast. And then it, <laughs> it was like, what's the name of your podcast? And when I said it, somebody handed me a pair of scissors. So, Stop. the stigma's still there, guys. Oh, god. <laughs> I used to get so annoyed. I'd be like, it just stands for emotional. <laughs> Okay, all music is emotional, therefore all music is emo. <laughs> very deep, Claire, very deep. But I don't know, if, to me, emo is more like, cute is what we aim for. Yeah, it's that voice. Yeah. Tonight, tonight. <laughs> you have a jump in your step. What, you? <laughs> yeah, like to me, I would never call Fall Out Boy or Mike M emo because to, it's that voice and yeah. neither of the bands have that voice. No. Okay, first of all, tell me your songs. Oh, I only have one. I haven't decided on the other one until you say yours. <laughs> I'll decide it on the spot. So my song, On Repeat, I decided to go a bit different with this one. Not go for the huge. Okay. So it's Drowning Lessons. Okay. I know. Look at me go. Oh. A random one. Claire's getting a bit different oh, today. I, <laughs> I was listening to it in the car and I went and repeated it twice. Mm. So I was like, there it is. That's a song. <laughs> Similarly, I presumed that my song on repeat was going to be from Three Cheers. Mm. I thought it was going to be one of the songs from the near the end of the album, like either the Jess at Life or... Thank you for the bin. It's not a fashion statement, it's Dead Wish. Or my plan was I listened to the album through and I was like, I'm going to listen to all their albums chronologically and I'm going to go back, listen to that a few times, like to those last few songs and pick out what's my song on repeat. Mm-hmm. But then... Something happened. Something happened. I put on conventional weapons. <gasps> oh, conventional very, weapons. Very We're going there. Here. Boy Division. Every time I listen to that song, I put it on repeat. And you haven't even heard the song, no. so you don't know what I'm talking about. Every time I put on, I was like, well, I want to listen to that again. And I'd go back and listen to it again. And last year, when I started listening to conventional weapons for the first time ever, the same thing happened with the same song. Oh, and I was like, wow, here we go. This is my song on repeat. Can't wait to listen to it now. So good. Such a good song. Also, And they played it at the gig and I lost my shit. 
nearly pissed myself again. I was just <laughs> mad for pissing at that gig. <laughs> Nothing has changed. <laughs> right, what's your song to skip then? So this is kind of a random one. And again, I was probably going to choose a single just from it being overplayed. Mm-hmm. I was probably going to choose Black Parade. I know I'm not allowed to choose more than one, but probably was going to. And then I listened to Danger Days the other day in preparation for this. Mm-hmm. And that song, Scarecrow. Oh, yeah. I was listening to it on the bus and I was like, what is this? I don't like this song at all. I was like, I'm not familiar with it. It's very slow. I don't know what's going on here. And I checked how much time was left on the song because I couldn't wait for it to be over. And I think to me, I was like, well, there's my song to skip right there. I am not massively familiar with it. The only reason I know what you're talking about is because I've listened to that album recently. But the reason I'm not massively familiar is because I always skip it. (laughs) It's not a good song. Like, it is not a good song. No, don't go there. My song to skip, I went with a single. Not because it's overplayed. No, 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 no. More so because the whole theme of it, I just wasn't down with it. Okay, what is that? The Ghost of You. What? I know. No. I'm just not down with the war thing. I just didn't like it. And every time that... I'm like, meh, skip. I'm like, right, prepare yourself. I know. Let's get emo. There's never coming home. Nope, 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 nope. Don't want to know about it. Next. Oh my god, I love that song. I just really don't like it. Love his hair. (laughs) Really don't like the song. I never (laughs) thought we'd end our friendship like this. (laughs) (laughs) No, maybe it's because it's a slow one as well, or just the video. I don't know. I don't like war. No war. No to war. It's not a pro-war song, Claire. (laughs) (laughs) No, I don't know. I just don't like it. Wow, I know. think it's such an epic banger. That is it, I'm sorry, I have to admit it. I wasn't going to say it, but I did. I said it, I was brave. You did. No, um. we're not friends anymore. <laughs> and that's the end of the podcast That's forever. it, three episodes, bye. <laughs> <laughs> my parting feelings on My Chemical Romance, I just have to say, I've decided they're my favourite band of all time. I knew that, I always said that about you. <laughs> As I sit here in your room. You were sitting there bitching about me behind my back. She loves my chemical romance. She is so emo. As I sit here in your room, which is adorned with my chemical romance prints, and you're wearing a t shirt saying, I'm not okay, trust me. <laughs> I would never have guessed that you liked them. Yeah. I always said Fall Out Boy was my favourite band, and in the past year, seeing them both play, there's no competition. My chemical oh. romance are my favourite band of all time. No regrets. I think I need to see them again live to make that decision. Yeah, now it's changed your life. Seeing them all happy on stage, playing whatever the fuck they want, introducing yeah. new songs in the set list every night, playing like the old that. bangers, the new that. bangers, every song's a banger, <laughs> banging bangers, <laughs> banging out the bangers. I can't wait to see what they do next. I'm excited <laughs> about them. I'm here for it. <coughs> I am the patient. No. <laughs> Thanks for sticking with the theme. <laughs> yeah, so my parting themes on My Chemical Romance. I didn't want to go down the whole road of the first two episodes where it was. I loved their first two albums, then they got shit and I stopped listening to them. But no. So, love their first two, like their third, like their fourth, haven't listened to their fifth. They haven't released the fifth. Well, sorry, <laughs> I was including... Conventional weapons. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Not Which, MC5. like, technically MC5. is... MC5. Technically, Conventional Weapons is the fourth, but then... They released it after they released yes. Danger Days. Yeah. But I still would go back and listen to them. I'd still go see them. I wouldn't walk away if they were playing any songs. Even if they were playing The Ghost of You, I'd probably stand there and endure it. And cry. And cry <laughs> into my drink as I think about war. war. <laughs> Play that for the Ukrainians. 
<laughs> refugees welcome look at that full circle episode coming back to the racism <laughs> see there was a reason for talking about it at the start <laughs> we should have opened with the ghost tv <laughs> do you want to talk about what your next episode is going to be yes so we hinted at it earlier but i've decided for the next episode i'm going to do funeral for a friend boop, 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 boop. who i absolutely adore however i've just realized something going on here so the two bands that you've picked the drummer left once maybe bands that I'm picking this fucking everyone leaves lineup changes name changes oh so it's gonna be a drinking game double barreled names Welsh names <laughs> be prepared this is gonna take a lot a lot but I'm excited because they're definitely one of my favourites I'm excited for it too because we have a lot of stories about if you know her friends we do close personal friends of ours mates friends of the pod <laughs> friends of the pod <laughs> but anyway thank you so much for listening please check us out on social media we are foundations of emo on instagram and we're foundations emo on twitter we don't have a lot of twitter followers so i don't post a lot on twitter but i will if you follow us follow us retweet us tell us what you think of all the things that are going on like the new fallout boy tour that's been announced yes with no ireland date the fucking parix not surprised the neck of them neck of them so our episodes come out every second Wednesday so tune in for our funeral for a friend episode in two weeks and let us know what you think of our opinions on My Chemical Romance is Jared's wife mental is or Scarecrow your favourite song do you like war <laughs> <laughs> and we'll talk to you then bye